Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line. He's wearing his trophy gold, Anthony Chang. What's up, David? How are you? Pretty good. How about you? Doing well. Uh, the break was, well, it was, it definitely felt weird not having a Heat player participate in an All-Star event. Yeah, definitely um, weird. That does not happen often, but it was a restful break. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sure the Heat appreciated it too, um, considering what their first half was. Uh, we've got a lot to get to uh, today. Uh, in the second half of the episode, uh, we're going to be joined by Bobby Marks to talk um, about some of some cap stuff, some you know trade type stuff. Uh, the ESPN uh, front office insider, so he'll bring some of his insight on that. Uh, we're also going to do kind of our mid-season awards. Kind of nice. The All-Star, I like how the All-Star break perfectly syncs up with the midway point of the season. That's a nice little, uh, you know, usually it's like what, like two-thirds of the way through basically or three-fifths or something. So Yeah, it's like 50 games in usually. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll do some like mid-season um, awards and accolades and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do have to start, though, off the top um, with the uh, Myers-Leonard situation. Um on, so what's today? Today is Tuesday? Wednesday. So on Tuesday, uh, he was uh, streaming, I guess, Call of Duty on Twitch, uh, and he used uh, an anti-Semitic slur, uh, the K-word, I guess is what we will refer to it as. Um, the Heat have temporarily, what's the wording they used for what, what they're doing with him? That he's away from the team or has been... Like he's, he's away from the team temporarily or something like that. He's away from the team indefinitely. Yeah. So, um, not a good situation, obviously. Um, I'm sure there will still be uh, more to come there. As a lot of people pointed out, obviously, uh, Mickey Harrison is Jewish and has a lot of involvement uh, in like uh, you know, Jewish charities and, and Israeli, um, you know, stuff like that. Um yeah, it was uh, pretty disappointing. Uh, I am half Jewish. I was raised Jewish. I've always like enjoyed being around Myers, um, and uh, it was just kind of like shocking. Like I, as I was saying to you right before we started recording, like I don't think I've ever actually like heard someone use that word in like real life, other than like you know, like I probably heard it like in Hebrew school and like you know, just like among, like, Jewish friends, like, you, you know, you talk, but I've never, like, heard someone use the word, like, as, like, an insult before, and I've played quite a, quite a bit of video games in my life, uh, where those kind of, that kind of language tends to get thrown around, so it was, um, definitely disappointing, but more just, like, as I think a lot of people have pointed out, like, shocking, it's just, like, like, how, how did that word even, like, enter someone's lexicon, and is he, uh, the, the reason he gave is that, um, he did not know what the word meant, which is also like kind of ridiculous. But is that is you you like you know it's not a common word, so I guess it's potentially like a realistic excuse. But uh, again, just like you would think, if, if you're going to use that word, you're going to at least kind of know sort of what it means. Um, so I don't know. It's a not a good situation, um, and uh, I don't think anyone like. Other than like anger and frustration and disappointment, like I, I don't, I don't think there's like a, a take here beyond just like obviously it's terrible. 
Um, I don't know if he needs to be, like, cut or, like, suspended. Probably should get fined, um, definitely. But, yeah, not not a good situation. Um, I'm not sure what should be done to him. Um, I like that I saw Julian Edelman kind of uh, reach out to him through Twitter. The uh, Julian Edelman is probably one of the more prominent Jewish athletes about trying to like kind of educate him and all that stuff. And that's, I guess, I think that's where I kind of come down. Like putting the word, it was kind of the same thing with when he stood uh, for the anthem and, you know, he was still wearing the black lives matter uh, shirts and like donating to the causes. Um, It kind of, you know, I know a lot of people didn't like when he stood for the anthem and and what I, I get that, but he put in the work to show that, that's not what should define him. This is, I think, even worse than that because he's actually like, it'd be like if he was caught saying the N-word um, and he said like, tr- was still trying to like defend all the causes, but I, I, he's got to kind of put in the work is basically where I come down at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, um, for me, it was an educational experience, you know, as well, just because I, you know, growing up, I had never heard that word before. Um, I, I, I didn't even know the word existed. I, I know that surprises probably a lot of people. Um, so, you know, when I saw the video and I asked, like, okay, what, what does this word represent? And I, and I learned what it represent and the significance of it. Um, I immediately knew, obviously, the, the seriousness of the situation. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's like you said, it's an, it's an unfortunate and, um, Ugly situation for for you know for Myers um, you know and and the Heat really had they really had no choice but to do what they did you know you, you see all the video you know his video game sponsors um, dropping him and and others you know kind of spe- you know speaking out against you know, the language he used like the Heat really didn't have a choice but to do what they did and and keep him away from the team indefinitely I know the league is now um, investigating the video. Um, and there could be a suspension coming for Myers. I, I think, you know, once the NBA, um, you know, the, the result of that investigation uh, comes out in the next few days, probably, um, you know, there, there will be some type of, uh, there could be some type of uh, punishment coming, you know, Myers' way, whether it's from the league or from the team, um, we'll see. Uh, but for now, um, as that investi- investigation is going on, you know, he, you know, like you said, David, he's away from the team, um, you know, as they, as they wait to see what the results are. Yeah. It, you know, I don't know a ton about Myers' background. I know he's from the Midwest. I would kind of guess whatever town he is from is not probably uh, as Jewish as, you know, a place like Miami, where you're from, or, or Washington, D.C., where I'm from, um, which is, again, it's just like, kind of makes it surprising that, like, he even had the word, like, knew what it, like, knew the word. As you mentioned, you didn't even know the word. Like, I I think that's kind of, like, real, like, a real thing, probably, for a lot of people, like, who didn't grow up, you know, around Jewish people. It's not like, you know, it's it's nowhere near, like, the N-word. It's not a word that Jewish people, like, have kind of appropriated in their own ways. It's not... I don't think you know in Holocaust movies they're talking in German. Like you're, you know, you're, you're not getting the. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a slur. I don't know where like the slur comes from. I don't know the origins or anything like that. So I don't know like if you would pick it up from watching movies or anything like that. Um, 
I guess you could maybe pick it up from playing video games because, as I mentioned, a lot of, like, really bad language <laughs> flies around on online video games. And um, I, I guess the streamer he was playing with uh, has, like, at one point had been, like, caught using the N-word. So, like, there is just that pervasive video game culture that he is, um, you know, a part of. And in a lot of ways he tries to obviously use it for positive, but, like, there are just certain things in the video game world that is, like, it's – in the streamer world, like it seems like there's a controversy like this every couple of weeks. Um, so it's just like kind of crazy that Myers Leonard is caught up in it. And a guy who, again, like I've always liked Myers, like I've never, you know, even, I don't want to say we like when he stood for the anthem, we like came on like defending him. Like it was like, you know, it was up to him. Like I, I didn't feel like it was something that necessarily needed to be defended. Um, but like you know, the, as things pile up, you, you start to question it, I guess, a little bit more. Um, and it is like I, I was also glad to kind of see. I think there's been a little bit more of a backlash to this than like I think there was even like when Deshaun Jackson had his thing in the uh, in the off season or in the summer. At time all blurs together, but when he uh, you know it was like quoting Hitler on Instagram. Um, and, you know, that was another just, you know, I, I grew up a big Eagles fan. So, like, that was, Deshaun was one of my favorite athletes when I was growing up, like, in high school and stuff. So, like, that hurt also. But I think at the same time, like, um, Deshaun, I think, like, atoned quickly and, like, went to a bunch of, like, you know, kind of met with a bunch of people. I think Myers, like, it, I'm, I tend to be a, a pretty forgiving person as long as the person, like, kind of, shows that there's a reason to forgive. And again, like it'd be one thing if I, I like didn't like Myers and like he came off to me as a guy with uh, like problematic views. And maybe that's like unfair just because, you know, like I, I know him a little bit. So like, I feel like I can give him a pass more than I would with like some random other NBA player that I've never crossed paths with. But like at the same time, like I, I do think he sh- should have a chance to like grow from this and he should face consequences for it. Um, but again, like I'd love to see him actually kind of show up and do something to kind of prove that this is not actually who he is. And, and may, you know, again, maybe he didn't know what the word meant, like literally, but like, that's not an excuse, I guess is where I kind of come down. Yeah. At that point. It's like, you like know, if you're don't, use, say, a, don't you use don't a, word. a word. Yeah, that you know has like a bad meaning. It's one thing like when I try to like use words that I don't actually know what they mean, and it's just like I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But like, but it's like you you know you don't throw out like slurs and, and bad words without knowing like what they mean. So um, yeah, I, 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 and to piggyback off what you said, like uh, you know one of the words I would use to describe this is like you said, shocking, surprising, just because, so you said, I mean, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know Myers, you know, very, very well, but, you know, just from covering him over the past year and a half, you know, he's one of the good guys. Like, you know, I I don't know many people that have bad things to say about Myers. Um, So just from that, like, it it is surprising that he's the one that's caught up in this. Yeah, and, I mean, he does kind of let people into his life life in a way a lot of other NBA players don't, like, through his streaming. But then, as I mentioned, at the same time, like, that streaming video game world is is pretty fraught with controversies like this, so maybe it shouldn't have been a a total 
shop. All right, um, let's move on to, I guess, uh, some bat- real basketball talk, something more fun. Well, obviously, like, monitor this Myers thing, because I'm sure there will be more happening in the next, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Um, we are at the mid- midpoint of the season, as I mentioned. Uh, what, 36 games in, right? 36 games into a 72-game schedule, so exactly. 36, yeah. 18-18, start, basically starting the season over again here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to kind of run through, um, I guess, some mid-season awards. I don't have a creative name. We need a name, right? It's, it's award season right now. Like, we need a, uh, like, the uh, the Spoies or something like that. The, yeah, we should we should have done some prep for this. Yeah. And come up with a creative name. But all I have right now is the... Heat check midseason awards, which exactly. is not very which is not very original. So the checkies, the checkies, the checkies. There you go. I like that. There we go. All right, uh, I've got a couple written out. Um, I actually don't even necessarily know what my answers are to all these, but I want to talk through some of them with you because they're uh, I think some of the topics that have defined the first half of the season. Um, and I want to start with one I think we're going to agree on. Uh, that is the best trade that didn't happen. Uh, our nominees are James Harden. Uh, Bradley Beal, and I think that those are probably the big two this year. I, I can't think of another third trade that didn't happen uh, from the first, from the last couple of months that uh, is worth talking about. Uh, and to me, the the best trade that didn't happen is still the James Harden trade because it's a trade that actually did happen. The Beal trade didn't happen not because the Heat didn't pull the trigger. The Beal trade didn't happen because the Wizards want Bradley Beal to remain on their team. Uh, James Harden, meanwhile, looks awesome, and the Nets are the best team in the East. Yeah, I mean, James Harden is a real MVP candidate with the way he's playing in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, Brooklyn has... I'm not giving him the MVP. I know, but he's a candidate. He's playing very well, especially without Durant. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's led that run that Brooklyn's on. Uh, man, Brooklyn looks scary. <laughs> like, they haven't even had Durant, they look like the yeah. best team in the East. So, um, yeah, I, I would point to that one, too. Um, and I will, you know, kind of looking back at that time when, you know, there were so many rumors around the Heat and the potential of, of landing James Harden. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it, it seems like the Heat really didn't have a shot. I mean, they, they didn't have the picks. Yeah. You look at the picks That's that Brooklyn got. Like, it just, yes, I'm sure the Heat, you know, like we've, you know, we reported that the Heat put a, a few calls in um, just to kind of gauge what, you know, where everything was at. But um, I, I don't think it ever got too far. Um, just because the Heat just didn't have the draft capital to get a deal like that done and and, and meet the demands um, of Houston. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of been painted as like the Heat wouldn't give up Tyler Hero for James Harden, but it is ultimate. It was more than that, right? It was they didn't have the picks. That's that's ultimately I think what it kind of came down to. Um, you know, would Hero have made a you know like would Hero have been able to be the centerpiece of a trade if they maybe pulled the trigger in the off season, maybe. But in the end, this this Rockets team um, clearly wanted picks, and the Heat just really can't offer that right now. We're gonna probably talk some about that when we get Bobby Marks on here in the second half. Um, do you think there is like any regret on the part of Pat Riley that they didn't kind of do everything they could to make that trade happen? Again, acknowledging that it was probably hard to make it happen, yeah. but, you know, there's always probably something you could have done to make the make the offer, um, you know, the offer they can't refuse. 
Uh, do you think there was a regret that they didn't do just like everything they could to, to get James Harden? I mean, looking at the way that James Harden is playing right now, I think it's, it would be natural to have some type of regret just because he looks like, you know, I mean, we knew he's one of the best players in the NBA, yeah. one of the best players in the NBA, but just the impact he's having, you know, and playing kind of a different style. Like he's being, he's playing more as a point guard uh, with Brooklyn and kind of showing that he could adjust his role a little bit. Like I think just watching that, I'm sure there is some some sense of uh, regret that maybe that, that deal couldn't get done. But, I, again, I, I don't think it was – I think even if the Heat wanted to get that deal done, I, I don't know if the chances were too high um, that, it could, that it could have been done um, on their part. Yeah, I do wonder um, how much they worried – and I think everyone worried, and I think we worried, and I think it was all rightly worry – Worrying um, that he couldn't, that James Harden could not adjust his play back to playing normal basketball, um, and you know I think if it, we knew that he was going to kind of look like he does in, in Brooklyn, um, I think there would have been you know and obviously pretty much every contender in the East was was interested, but I, I think if people knew that this was what James Harden was going to look like after he left Houston. Um, not not that they would have gotten necessarily more for him, Houston, but I think there would have been just, you know, even more teams being like, this is the guy we got to get, and maybe that obviously runs up the price. Um, Brooklyn, I'm sure they were hoping when they were getting him that this was going to happen, but ultimately they made that deal because James, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted that deal to happen. The Heat, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily, like, think Jimmy or Bam were, like, pushing to get that deal done necessarily. So the idea of trading for James Harden was ultimately more about do they think he can fit the system and be like a clear upgrade. And I think it was always probably obvious that he was going to be a clear upgrade, but I think whether he was going to fit like with what the Heat wanted to do um, was an open question. And now, like in hindsight, we all look foolish there. The one way to salvage it obviously is is going to get Bradley Beal or someone similar this offseason. Right, and I'll say this. I mean, you know, I don't know how much Jimmy was pushing for that trade to happen because I know he likes a lot of the guys on the current roster, but um, I do know that Jimmy and James are close, yeah, and Jimmy is Jimmy is is supporter of James's game, and he, you know, he likes him as a player. I think at one point he said he's the hardest guy to guard. I think in one story last year where he just named James the hardest guy to defend. Yeah, I so think I don't, I, I don't think Jimmy would have. Um, he wouldn't have stood in the way of a trade. He would not have stood in the way of a trade, no. Um, definitely not. So um, just to, you know, put that out there. But, but yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest reasons that deal got done in Brooklyn is KD and Kyrie signed off on it, and they wanted him there. Um, you have the Mike D'Antoni factor as well on the sideline. Um, so, yeah, it just made sense in Brooklyn. And, again, he just didn't have the assets uh, to pull off that type of deal. All right, um, a related award here. I guess it's like the best supporting actor to the best actor of this first award. Uh, your favorite Twitter rumor deadline target. I don't even have a list of nominees here because there are too many. You want to just throw out a couple? Uh, Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Um, um, Rudy Gay. Rudy, Rudy Gay, Harrison Barnes. Has there I been like, a – I like Otto Porter. I like the Otto Porter. DJ um, Tucker. Vucevic from uh, Vucevic, Orlando. Blake Griffin, who's now off the market, but he was in there. Andre Drummond. 
Uh, Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. There's so many. I know. They're going to get everybody. Yeah. Who's your favorite one of that group? Um, I think we've... we've I think we can go either way. We can go two ways at this. Which one is the one that you actually think is a good fit and which is just like the funniest rumor you think has been out there? So I think Rudy Gay is the perfect fit. And I I think I mentioned that in this podcast. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks um, ago. You know, an expiring contract, a guy that's a really good spot-up shooter, three-point shooter, which is kind of the role, what the he need from that, that spot on the floor. Um, not the best defender. He's not Jay Crowder as a defender, um, but he's versatile enough where you could still play, um, you know, that switching scheme with him out there. Um, and I just think he would help this team offensively um, with his shooting and his, also his ability to score off the dribble as well. I mean, it's, you know, Rudy Gay's a, a proven scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to me, because of the contract, the expiring deal, his game, his fit for what they need, Rudy Gay is is the ideal fit. Now, what you know? How eager is San Antonio to trade him? I don't know. I mean, San Antonio's playing well this season. Yeah, like they're competitive. So I'm not sure that they're looking to break up. You know what's going on right now. But you know, if it gets to a point in a few weeks where maybe San Antonio's on a losing streak and he can get something done with Rudy Gay, then you know, I think that would be that would be a guy who could really help them. I just searched Heat deadline, Heat target deadline on Twitter. Do you know there's a John Wall rumor out there? Yeah, I've seen that one. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make uh, any sense. That's that's my new favorite. Some of these rumors, like, you kind of <laughs> have to take it with a grain of salt. You're like looking Oladipo, at it like that's, that's, I guess Oladipo we could mention. Yeah, right? Oladipo. Oladipo is another one. Although I, I still know. Mentioned John Collins, South Florida. Yeah. John Collins is an, is one that's been linked to, but I just think the what Atlanta wants for John Collins is just no, not going to happen. It's not going to happen with the Heat. Yeah. yeah, I think in, like, the realistic camp, we're kind of in the same boat with, like, the, the Rudy Gay. I mean, I still, like, I know P.J. Tucker has been pretty rough this year, but, like, I still kind of... P.J. Tucker, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. But I believe in him to, like, play better when he gets to, like, uh, a much better situation. Um, so I, I still lean toward that, like, they need that, that power forward kind of guy is, is still the the biggest need. Um, as I said, John Wall, I think is kind of the funniest. Kevin Love, should we mention Kevin Love? I don't know if he's ever actually been linked to the Heat, but he's a name. I think like he's him. been linked to the Heat for the past like three or four years. Like yeah, every yeah. year it's like the Heat might get Kevin Love. And Kevin Love never gets traded Kevin Love would be a really good fit. Like that, now that I think about it. I mean, he's who knows? He's really played in like two years, but. He, he would be a decent fit. It's just like, I, I just think, I just find it funny that every year he's supposed to get traded traded from Cleveland. He's still there. Like, yeah. he's been he there. Has, he hasn't played at all this year, I don't think, right? Or he's played very... I'm not sure. I feel like he's played a few. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like he's played uh, some. Not much, but some. Yeah, he's like um, mostly been kind of a coach there. And they've like <laughs> kind of been a nice, like, fun little surprise, almost, Cleveland. Yeah, they've fallen off like a little bit, but games. they've been... Yeah, they've fallen off a little bit, but... Yeah, but like yeah, you like got Sexton and Garland. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, their guards are are talented. Um, you know, wh- one of the issues, like with Harrison Barnes, I think he'd be a really good fit as well. He might even be a better fit than Rudy Gay, probably. Yeah, he honestly might. But the, you know, you look at his contract and twenty million next year, and then eighteen million twenty two twenty three. Like he has two years left on his deal. Yeah, you might be able to trade that trade that contract, or at this point, you know, with you know, Giannis and the Frasey class not not as good as expected. Maybe you just say, look, we get Harrison Barnes. We think we can make a, be competitive for the next few years, and we ride that contract out. You know, maybe that's what the Heat think. But 
um, you know, that's something that you have to consider. It's not that simple with Harrison Barnes because he has two more years left in the deal at some pretty, you know, and it's not cheap, you know, 20 million pretty much on average between the two next two years. Like that's, that's a lot for a guy um, who, you know, is, is a good and nice player, but he's not going to, he's not a guy who's going to give you 25 a night. All right, let's run through these last couple quickly because we got to get Bobby Marks on here. Ugliest Heat alternate jersey. Um, <laughs> they're both pretty bad, in my opinion. I know some people like the Vice Wave ones, but yeah, I, honestly, I kind of think the Vice Wave ones are uglier. I I want to see the yellow in person. I, yeah, I want to see the yellow in person. I at first I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna like the yellow. Um, but then when I saw the detail of them and I see the campaign behind them of like the trophy gold and there's only going to be 6,031 made, which is the sum of, you know, the, the Heat's three championship years, 2006, 2012, and 2013. So it's like a limited edition jersey. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like I, I like the creativity behind them. Um, I, I honestly don't think, and I'm not saying this because, I want to keep friends in the heat marketing department, but I honestly don't think any of them are ugly. But I will say my least favorite is probably it's probably the these um, just because I, I just like everything about the vice. Even even though some of the vice jer- jerseys are nicer than the others, I just like the whole campaign. I like what it represents. Um, I like right. the colors. So I, I, I'm 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 gonna go with these trophy gold. Um, uniforms, but I do like the creativity and the thought and the detail um, put into the campaign surrounding these uniforms. And this this trophy gold is technically like has been part of the color scheme, right? Like it's that yellow that is in the color. Like it's always just like a detail in the Heat's like OG color scheme. Yeah, like it, it was introduced when the Heat uh, got new jerseys. I think it was like an early, maybe when American Airlines Arena opened, like around that time, like late nineties yeah. or two thousands. Um, as like this. Yellow accent stripe on the yeah, side. Yeah, they had red jerseys with yellow. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a very small accent. So, and yeah. and you know, from what I was told, Nike for these earned edition for all the earned edition uniforms, they wanted teams to use their existing color scheme and kind of play off a color that you know they had never really used before. Yeah. I mean, for the Heat, it was it was obvious. Like, what other color? Which one? What else were they going to do? Right. That's right? It. Like, yeah. They've already done black, white, and red. So. They had to do something with the with the gold, um, and you know this is what they came up with. Yeah, it's kind of coincidental. I remember last year my prediction. I don't remember if I ever made it on this podcast or just in real life talking to you. Is that the next vice was going to be like a kind of sun looking yellow because they had like started kind of incorporating that on some of the marketing. So I was sort of right. They did get some yellow uh, finally, or sorry, trophy gold. So it's right. not part of the, it's not part of the vice campaign, but I guess they could have, and that if they they could have pitched it that way if they wanted to make a sixth vice jersey, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not, but it's still they they got yellow yeah. jerseys now. Yeah. My point. Um, all right, uh, last two. This one I've got, got like three different names for this award right now because I don't know. I got most improved. I got comeback. I got biggest surprise. To me, there's two guys plus Max Struess, just like being a guy who came out absolutely out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, to be kind of useful, but obviously it's, it's faded in his usage recently. Um, Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olenek, I think both are – I think Kendrick Nunn's kind of the obvious one because he went from being a guy who was totally out of the rotation in the playoffs to being, I don't know, what, the fifth best player in the first half of the season, something like that. But um, 
Kelly Olynyk to me just like he's been kind of like the steadiest guy on this team in a, in a lot of ways. Just um, you know, I know his, his shot comes and goes, but he's been out there every game. He obviously, like, you got to guard him deep. He really stretches the floor. Like he's not afraid to shoot from really deep. And I think um, he just continues to be really good, kind of in that like dribble handoff as the guide up. Like, it's weird that he kind of can run a lot of the same stuff they have with Bam. I don't know if he's most improved because he's probably putting up pretty similar numbers to last year. I haven't actually looked at that, but I just think he's unappreciated, so I wanted to mention him. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not a, the obvious choice. Yeah, that's not a bad one. I just, I, I can't go with Kelly because he's shooting 33% on threes. Yeah, that's bad. Yes. After shooting 40% last year. And I know some of that does make or miss, but, um, yeah, it's not good. That needs to improve for this offense to get to where where it needs to be right. uh, for them to make a serious run. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Kendrick um, just because he has been – I mean, he's helped carry the offense Like while a lot of these guys have been out. He's been such a much more efficient player, um, which has always been the question with him, especially you know late in his rookie season at the start of this season. Like, Can he be an efficient scorer? Like, we know he can put up points, but can he put up points efficiently? And he's done that. I mean, 46% from the field this season, 36% from three, which is solid, 92% at the line. Um, yeah, like, that's that's impressive. Yeah, he's a, he's a real guy now and a guy who's going to be in the NBA for a long time. All right, last one, uh, MVP. Either go one of two ways here. It's either James Butler. This is easy. This is easy, David. Uh, yeah, I kind of think it's obviously Jimmy, even though Bam has played a lot more. I just think the as we as we've talked about a lot, their record with Bam in the lineup and not Jimmy is not good. The record with Jimmy in the lineup is good. Yeah, so, 14, 14 and eight when Jimmy's available, four and ten in games that he's missed. You look at the analytics, like twelve point swing when he's not on the court. Yeah, you know, the Heat are outscoring teams by five point four points per hundred possessions with Butler playing. They've been outscored by seven points when he's not on the court. So they basically go from one of the best teams in the league to the worst team in the league. Uh, you know, based on whether Jimmy's playing or not. So I, I think Jimmy's clearly the MVP of this team so far this season, and I know he's not going to get really many probably MVP votes uh, this this season, but I, I do think he deserves some love uh, in that, yeah. even even just for the, the, the league-wide award, just because of the impact he's had on the Heat, especially if they continue um, this turnaround. As we talked about, like, it's kind of crazy that Bam was the all-star contender and Jimmy wasn't, even though Jimmy is clearly the best guy on the team. But whatever. It's, yeah, I, I agree with you. Jimmy's the no-brainer first-half MVP for this team. And a reason that this team, uh, I, I guess we'll finish with this. How how high do you think this team winds up in the uh, East standings by the end of the year? I think they finish in the four spot. Yeah, I think uh, so too. They're only... The top the three is, like, obvious. I think that's, like, that's not going to change. They, they, they'll jockey around the Sixers, Nets, and, and Bucks, but those are clearly the top three. Yeah, and, and you know, it's going to be, right now, you know, four to seven is Celtics, Knicks, Heat, Hornets, and eight is Raptors. Now, obviously, I think the Celtics are probably their biggest, the Heat's biggest competition for that four spot. You would expect the Knicks to kind of drop off a little bit. Um, but the Heat have the fourth easiest schedule after the break. They do not have a tough schedule. They have a lot of. They have a tough schedule as far as uh, back to backs. I mean, nine back to backs over the second half is a lot. But as far as opponents, like they don't, you know, they they don't have a, a tough uh, a tough road. So I think that will help them. I think you know with Jimmy, you know, you you would hope that Jimmy's going to be available for most of these games. 
Um, I, I just think you know that combination uh, will lift the heat to the four spot, and I think Boston has some. I think Boston has some issues. Like they've lost lost a few guys uh, last off season, and and they've kind of struggled to find their way. Even though they probably, I know Jason Tatum missed them some time, and Kemba's been in and out, but they've probably been healthier than the Heat as a whole. Uh, you know, in the first half. Yeah, if Jimmy played like the full first half, I think they would be much closer to that top three conversation than like the eight seed or whatever. I guess they technically are right now. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think they get to four by the end of the year. I think it'll be a little bit of a fight with the Celtics. I'm sure they'll get better in the second half too. But I just think they're better than Boston. As you mentioned, the the schedule is uh, pretty beneficial. Um, Although ultimately, like, will four or five even really matter? Maybe a little bit because there will be some fans in the building by playoff time. Um, But ultimately, I I think they're the fourth best team in the East, and they will finish either fourth or fifth, more likely fifth. All right, uh, I'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, Bobby Marks. All right, we are back, and we are now joined by ESPN's Bobby Marks. He is the front office insider and a former NBA executive. Uh, here to give us a little bit of a look at where the Heat stand as we head into the trade deadline. Bobby, thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's just jump right into it. The Heat's uh, trending in the right direction, definitely close to getting to full health, playing much better the last few weeks. It's just how desperate do you think they should be to make a move considering where they stand right now? Well, it's funny. You know, if you would have said that Miami would be 18-18 and 18 and in the sixth seed, um, I guess you would probably call it a, a disappointment considering, you know, you just went to an NBA finals, but <laughs> considering what this team went through in the first 36 games with COVID and, you know, I mean, God, they've had so many different lineups in and out. You know, Jimmy's been, uh, when he's played, he's been good, but, you know, he's been out of a bunch of games here. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're in that desperation mode. I think if you're, con- if you're content that, you know, this roster can, A, stay healthy, and, you know, health is kind of day-to-day. Um, you know, this team can can do something when we get get to the playoffs. I don't, know, I don't know if you – I don't think you have to shake it all up. I think it's just a matter of kind of everybody being healthy, um, healthy at one, at, one, um, at one time. I mean, you're – you know, you're one game out of the four seed, but at the other end you're, you know, what, two games out of – two games out of 11? <laughs> so it can go a lot of different ways here. I think your the second half of the schedule leading up to the deadline is going to is going to tell you a little bit about this team when you've got Orlando twice, you've got Charlotte, Cleveland, Memphis, Indiana twice here that you know maybe you can give yourself a little bit of separation from where you are and and getting that that 4 to and a good comfort level in that 4 to 6 range. Yeah, and, and you know throughout the season, uh, you know one of the one of the talking points around this team has been just trying to find a way to replace Jake Crowder and kind of what he gave the Heat. And I don't know if they'll be able to do that, you know, at the trade deadline, obviously. But do you feel like that's kind of the biggest need for this team? You know, if you, you know, if you're, if you were in the front office, and is what are some, what do you, who do you see as some realistic trade targets, or even maybe on the buyout market if if they become available there, that could maybe help fill that. Um, that spot, you know, I know some names that have been mentioned, you know, Harrison Barnes, um, Rudy Gay, who's on an expiring deal, but, you know, San Antonio's, you know, pretty competitive this season, obviously. Uh, P.J. Tucker, who are some names that you you think uh, could help fill that role and and improve the team in that area? 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When I was writing the, the, the Heat's trade guide and I, I had a note in there and then I had a, I think I took it out. I said, like, you know, the, the team is intact except for swapping out Crowder for Harkless and Avery Bradley. And it was like a but, you know, it was like one of those, yeah, that's a big, you know, that's yeah. a big, you know, <laughs> considering that, you know, Harkless has really, and I thought the Harkless signing would have been helped this team. Certainly Avery too. You know, both guys have really not done, you know, I mean, Avery's been injured and, and he dealt with, you know, COVID and everything. And uh, Mo has not done much at all. Um, I thought that was going to be the, the Crowder replacement was the, was the Mo Harkless. And um, that's kind of, a little bit of a, you know, certainly a little bit of a letdown or a step, step, you know, you know, you kind of take a step back here. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, the trade funds is, is a little bit of a challenge because, you know, you got, you need teams out there in that seller mode. And with the expansion of the playoffs, you know, you have a lot of teams, certainly in the Eastern Conference, who think they're still can get in as a playing team. Um, out West is a little bit different. I think it's starting to shake out. Um, you know, I think uh, Houston's probably in that seller mode. Um, you know, Tucker's going to be the name to keep an eye on, certainly what they do with Victor Goladipo. Uh, Minnesota is, I would think, would be in a seller mode. Um, you know, I would think basically everybody on that roster is available except probably Edward, Anthony Edwards and, and Carl Anthony Towns. Barnes is, you know, Harrison's had a good year in, in Sacramento. I think it's just hard to – you know, where Miami is, and I know they've got the, the contracts with all these players on these team options here, when you are, um, you know, when you're limited as far as draft picks to trade out because you owe uh, those two and there's some protection to, to Oklahoma City there, it does kind of restrict you where you will have to add something to make up for the lack of a, lack of a draft pick here. So, um, but he's an interesting name. I think Sacramento's an interesting team. I think with um, with Barnes, uh, Nemanja Bezalika, um, who's really been in and out of the lineup and is on an expiring um, is on an expiring contract, um, you know he's an interesting name and he's played played of late. He was kind of buried on that um, you know, he was buried on the bench here, but he's a stretch um, you know he's a stretch four that can can give you some production um, you know off the bench here. So um, and he fits in. I think he yeah he does. He fits in your trade exceptions at seven one five. Yeah. Um, so if that's something, you know, that's something if I was Miami, I would, ta- I would, I would take a look at, um, with there, but you know, Oklahoma city is interesting. Sam Presti rarely makes trades during the season. Um, you know, rarely does buyouts, you know, Trevor Reza, you know, where we, we haven't seen Trevor, Trevor Reza in over a year. Um, you know, what type of basketball shape is he in? Could he, you know, if he's a buyout guy, could he make sense as far as giving you some depth, uh, you know, on that wing position? What what do you think is more likely? I know that you know they have two deadlines coming up the 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 March deadline for the you know the seven point six million dollar trade exception and then the April deadline for the four point seven you know million dollar disabled uh, player exception. Which one do you think is more likely? You know, as far as the Heat using uh, before it expires, I'd say probably the trade exception, um, just because of its in its expires on March twenty second, so it's about three days before the the trade deadline. It's a it's a big number. Um, you know, the, the, and you can acquire a player that has length on his contract where the, the DPE is, you know, it's a small number at, um, four eight, you know, when you add a hundred thousand, um, it's only guys on one year contracts. The, the, the plus side is that you can sign players. I don't think you're in a, you're, you're, the market is, is flush with guys that you have to go out overpaying besides the minimum. You know, maybe in a, maybe in a buyout guy, you have to maybe spend a little bit more, but I would say, 
I would say that $7.5 million number is probably, if you're asking me which one is, would they use, um, would be that just because it, it's, it's a good, it's, it's a good number. I mean, there's a lot of players that fit into that. I, as I mentioned, um, you know, uh, Bezalika fits into that. Um, you know, guys like, um, you know, PJ doesn't, I mean, PJ's at 796. So it's a, he would probably have to be either a trade or a, a buyout guy if, if, uh, if Houston can't figure out to do something there. And then the biannual seems like it would be the basically last resort. Yeah. <laughs> that is the last. The next yeah. Season. Yeah. It's the last resort. And I, and I think even if, you know, Miami elects to go in the direction of cap space this off season, um, you know, the, 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 the biannual and the mid-level gets replaced with the room mid-level exception. But if, if they act as a team, um, you know, using the, the biannual right now, you know, takes it off the table for, for the off season. And, you know, how they did the, um, the Harkless and the Avery Bradley contract, which used the full mid-level, um, and it preserved that biannual. I would say that would be option number three when you, um, when you kind of line up these, those other options, those other exceptions. I also wanted to ask you about some current events. Um, I'm sure you've seen kind of, yeah. you know, what's going on with Myers Leonard. And I know you sure. tweeted about, um, you know, some of the Heat's options, you know, now moving forward with Myers, uh, you know, earlier on Wednesday. Um, what, I guess if you can run down those options with us, um, you know, and, and what the Heat now, you know, the decisions they kind of face with, with how they handle this, this, uh, situation with him. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I wanted to wait until this morning to do that. And I just didn't, I didn't think the timing last night when everything right. was like going on. And it's, you know, it always, you know, you never know when is right and when is wrong, right? Like when a guy gets hurt in a game, you know, like, do you like react and say like, hey, they could get an exception, you know, like, so you kind of, yeah. I, I wanted to kind of wait a little bit on that. But yeah, I mean, with the, with the Leonard, um, you know, what's going on in, in, in Miami with, um, you know, what had happened, what had transpired, um, he, you know, he's out for the year. They got this disabled player exception as a result. Um, it's 4.7 million. Um, you can add a hundred thousand to it, um, to use. Um, it expires you know, towards the tail end of, of April here. And, you know, as, as I said this morning, on, um, on Wednesday morning, you know, if, if they elect to part ways with Myers Leonard and, and waive him, um, that exception is still valid to use. The only way it goes away is if Leonard is traded to a team, then that exception, um, ex- exception <clears throat> expires. And so they have that option if that's what they want to do. He's still owed about $4.2 million of his, um, you know, $9.4 million salary, um, from a financial aspect. And then the other thing is like, you know, post, once you get into the offseason, if he's, he's still on that roster, he's not tradable because he's got a, you know, a team option for, and, you know, the, and until they make a decision, if they exercise the team option, you know, he can't, he can't be traded here. Um, I think it's hard, you know, I think it's a hard decision what you want to do. You know, I think you probably wait until the deadline um, if you need to clear up that roster spot because they, that DPE is still valid to use post deadline here. I, I, I think it's, it would surprise me if, if something happens within the next, you know, you know, week or two that, you know, he is waived. Um, but you never know. Um, but those are, yeah, those are some of the options that Miami will have as far as <clears throat> if they need to, if they do need to create that roster spot by getting rid of uh, Myers Leonard, that they still have the DPE and they open up, a, you know, they, they do open up a roster spot. All right, Bobby, we'll get you out of here on this one. It's the, the million dollar question, or I guess the $22 million question or whatever yeah. Bradley Beal makes. 
the plan has obviously been 2021 for the Heat, or at least that's what it's looked like for a while. But no Giannis, Paul George, all, all those guys kind of off the market. Assuming they don't make one of these big trades this season, <clears throat> Beal trade, something yeah. like that, what is the most likely route at this point, you think, for the Heat to add that third star that, that we know Pat Riley really, really wants? Yeah, and I'd be careful putting Victor Oladipo as that third star. Yeah. I, I really would. I, I don't know. I'm really concerned health-wise with him. I feel like he just has not fully recovered from that knee injury. Um, he's, you know, he certainly has struggled in, in Houston. So I don't, I don't think I would put him up there. Um, you know, but hey, if you can get him on a one year deal at a cheap number, yes, yeah, certainly. But yeah, the, the bill situation is going to be interesting just to monitor. I, do I think he's available in the next two weeks? I don't, um, considering that, you know, it's been pretty well known from that front office and they've played better. Um, but there's, there will, as I always said, there'll be a time in this offseason where, both sides, the, the Wizards and the NBO, are going to have to figure out what the future is because he's going, you know, when guys are on these expiring contracts, which Beal technically will be on going into next year, you almost have to make a decision because you don't want to lose that player for, for nothing. So, you know, and the player can do, certainly direct where his next destination. So if you're talking about, you know, if you're talking about the heat, you know, and it brings you to the question because you've got those guys on these team options, which have to be exercised by, um, you know, the, right before the start of free agency, which is probably likely July. Um, you know, if, if you don't exercise them and let's say you want to go in the direction of cap space, you'll, you do have, you know, 22 to $23 million to try to absorb, you know, what Beal owes as well as trying to add, you know, you know, add players to that. But yeah, I mean, it will cost you, you know, just because of, as we, we we talked earlier, your lack of draft assets turns now into, you know, guys like Hero, you know, uh, Robinson or none are, are free agents. So <clears throat> you'd have to almost go with try to do a signing trade with those guys. But um, you are a little bit restricted as far as <clears throat> as far as what you can get in a, in a brand, what you can send out in a Bradley Beal type trade. I have one more, Bobby. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. um, you, you talk about you've brought up the draft. Uh, the lack of draft assets or draft capital that he has at this point, you know, to trade. What are, you know, I, you know, I know Oklahoma City has both of the Heat's yeah. first round picks and with all the protections that ties them up really to like 2027 or so. What, what are the Heat's options as far as trying to free up some of those picks? Is that as simple as saying we're just going to give you the, un, you know, an unprotected 2023 pick and then all of a sudden those picks are, are available to trade after that? Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Milwaukee do it, um, when they, when they acquired, uh, Drew Holiday. They had owed, um, Cleveland a protected pick in 2022. And for, in order to, um, I guess release some of their future first to trade, uh, they, uh, Cleveland had agreed to take the protection off. So, you know, got it. It was unprotected, which actually went, eventually went to Houston as far as the, the Harden trade when they got Jared Allen. But yeah, they, they took the protection off and they wound up getting like a future second kind of just as a sweetener here. So if you're, you know, if you're Miami and you're in, you're in play to try to get a, you know, a Bradley Beal or a big name and you're limited, you can go to Oklahoma City and say, Hey, we'll lift the protection on the 23rd, you know, 2023 and make it unprotected. And then in turn, that would give you the access to, you know, move 25 and 25 and in, in 2027 now the question is if you're Oklahoma City you're thinking well wait a minute like 
do, do we want, is that team going to be good in 2023? Is it going to be the, you know, the, uh, the 22nd pick, the 23rd pick? So I think it would probably cost, you know, like maybe a second round pick, um, you know, to, to lift that protection. But yeah, that's the, that's the conversation that you would have if you get to the point where you need future ones to move is you pick up the phone and call Sam Presti and say, Hey, we've got potentially to do something. We'd like to remove the protection off that, make it unprotected. Um, what else, you know, what, what, what would you look, what are you looking for to, um, you know, as a sweetener to, you know, to, to appease us? Bobby, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Be sure to check him out at ESPN and uh, we will uh, hopefully talk to you uh, sometime soon. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Thank you, Bobby.